Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are doing amazing. It is officially December, which is so crazy to me. Somebody had said to me one day that as you get older, time moves faster. And that is so true. Oh my God, I can't believe we are nearing the end of 2018. And literally 2019 is just around the corner. I'm actually really excited for December. I love December because one, I love the holidays. And It's just a really fun social month for me. There's just so many things going on and events and parties. And it really is that time where I get to like step back from the work and take time off and slow down and just be with family and be with friends and cook for people and bake for people, which of course I love doing. So I'm so looking forward to this month. And I really hope that you guys are as well. I hope you got all your Christmas shopping done. I shared lots of healthy holiday gift ideas on last week's podcast, if you haven't tuned into that. And you can head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 38 if you want to dive into last week's episode. And in those show notes, I share all of the different links about the books that I talked about and different awesome products. And you can go find out all the information there. All right. So while I'm recording this podcast, you may or may not hear some cats scrapping in the background. Who knows what will happen? It's actually really quiet right now, surprisingly. But if you listen to last week's podcast, you know that we got a new cat. So I've got two cats now and she's a little rambunctious one. Her name's Maggie. Magnolia and our big guy, Monkey, he's, you know, six years old and he's trying to adjust to it all. And it's been an interesting week. So lots of cat scraps and boxing and hissing and all these fighting matches going on. But it's interesting. It's like they fight and they box it out and they're all crazy and hissing at each other. And then like five minutes later, they're totally fine and just kind of like sitting by each other and just kind of hanging out like nothing happened. And so I feel like for us, like as humans, maybe we're more affected by it. And for them, it's just like a normal thing that they do. And so maybe I just have to accept that this is what it is because I'm trying to like intervene because I'm like, oh my God, somebody is going to get hurt. But they're totally fine. They're just working it out. And they're definitely hissing it out and boxing it out too. So it's interesting watching them. It's this like love and hate relationship right now. But it's been interesting, you know, like Monkey has been going over to her and the odd time like tries to clean her, like he'll like lick her forehead or something. And it's like, I feel like he's trying to make his way in there and kind of like soften up and clean her and get close to her. But she's not sure what to make of it yet. So I will keep you posted. I'm sharing all the details over on my Insta stories and some funny videos over there. So you can definitely tune in there. Some other things to share with you. There's some new recipes up on the blog, my almond butter trail mix bars. They are delicious. And of course, you can get creative and use whatever ingredients you want. And I use some pumpkin seeds and some sunflower seeds and dried cherries, basically dried cherries with chocolate. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's like such a delicious combo. So definitely check out the recipe there head on over to holisticwellness.ca to check that out. And I also shared my lemon shortbread cookies over on Instagram. So you can go check out the recipe there. They are delicious. They're lemon coconut shortbread cookies. They're grain-free, gluten-free, all paleo-friendly. And I got so many comments from people saying how much they love shortbread. And I know, you know, shortbread's a really popular cookie. Like people love shortbread. And now this one is a lemon one and it's so good. And it's hard to find a grain-free, gluten-free shortbread cookie. So they are really delicious. They're quite delicate. So when you're making them and transferring them over to your baking sheet or like having to, you know, press down on them to make the markings on them, just be careful with it. And I did get a few questions if you can like make them vegan and substitute coconut oil instead of using the butter. I haven't tried it that way, but by all means, you can give it a try. And you would definitely need the coconut oil to be quite hard in order to cut it into the flour. So I don't know if it might melt too quickly, but worth a try. I haven't tested it that way, and I might try and test them 
with the coconut oil over December and I'll let you know. But the recipe is over on Instagram. Definitely go check that out and I'll be sharing more of my holiday baking over on Instagram and my website as well. All right. And lastly, I have opened up my calendar to offer some complimentary calls for the month of December, as well as my other coach, Valerie. So Valerie is a holistic wellness coach. She works here with me at my company, Holistic Wellness, and she trains under me and she takes on a lot of my clients that you know I can only take on so many. And so she works with a lot of my clients and other clients one-on-one and also helps coach and guide women in our online group program. So her and I have both opened up our calendar till about, I think, December 19th or December 20th. And there's lots of availability now. So if you guys want to dive in, if you're thinking about working with us one-on-one and you really want to get further support, whether that's with your weight or your hormones, or you're interested in maybe diving into our 12-week metabolic reset program, which yes, we are beginning in the new year. And you know, you can hop on a call. We want to chat with you, learn more about your health history, where you're struggling, what are your goals, you know, what are your weight loss goals, what are your hormone and your health goals, and you know, what's not currently working for you. And we can offer up some strategies and some suggestions for moving forward to really helping you achieve your goals. So you can head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash newsletter. I'll be sharing more details there about booking in calls. You can always email me, samantha at holisticwellness.ca if you're interested as well, and we can book in those calls. And if you join the newsletter, which is obviously free, you know we share lots of great details and information and recipes and all kinds of stuff every week, but we'll also be sharing more details about the 12-week program if you're interested, and we're offering a great discount over the holidays as well. So Come join us there, sign up on the newsletter, and we will send out all the details for you to get access to. All right, so let's dive into today's episode. It's such a great, great episode with Steph Dodier. She is a clinical nutritionist, founder of Going Beyond the Food Academy, and host of the podcast Going Beyond the Food Show. Stephanie is dedicated to helping women make peace with food and their body, and she is so incredible. She speaks so well about the connection between emotional eating and our desires behind wanting to lose weight and how we can end that diet cycle and really gain more body confidence and have a really positive body image. And her message is so important. It's a message that we need to hear more frequently, especially as women, because we are constantly going through this yo-yo cycle of dieting and hating our bodies and loving our bodies and trying to find the next best thing. And really, if we just slow down and tune in deeper and dive into some of these more emotional and psychological triggers that are causing us to kind of go through these cycles all the time, it will allow us to uncover the whys and the what's about why we're doing it, what we're trying to achieve with it. And It will allow you to achieve, whether that's weight loss goals or health goals, in a much more balanced, whole, easy way. I mean, this is the important stuff that we really need to understand when it comes to weight loss. And it's a really key piece that is often missing because we're just trying to look at the food and the food is so important, but it's as Steph says, it's going beyond the food, right? It's looking at emotional triggers. It's looking at psychological triggers and it's understanding why these habits of ours keep showing up and why we keep going through these cycles over and over again and go through these self-sabotage cycles, right? So it's a great conversation. I'm so excited to dive in. So without further ado, let's get started and welcome Stephanie Dodier to the podcast. Hi, Steph. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. So excited to dive into our conversation. I know you've got so much juicy information to share with us. So before we dive in, can you share with our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am a woman, huh? But (laughs) (laughs) mostly I'm this average 40 plus year old lady who has had experience with food since the age of nine that tend to be very emotional, which led to like when I was 10 years old, I was baking cookies and apple pie and cakes and I ended up eating a lot of it. And I became some say probably addicted to sugar. 
And by the age of 12, I landed in my first Weight Watcher meeting. And that's how my life was from that age up to the age of 37. So on and off diet, gaining, losing weight. I lose weight quickly and I gain it quickly. And my entire life was around that while working and having a corporate career, but on and off and extreme all the time, which led my body to be extremely distressed. And by the age of 37, I collapsed on stage. I was working in the corporate field with speaking to a group of people and I got rushed to the hospital with severe panic attack, which then got diagnosed into depression and anxiety, a whole bunch of chronic condition, pre-diabetic and so forth. And that propelled me in searching for an answer that wasn't inclusive of medication. So I followed my intuition that said no to medication and that sent me into the world of food and natural healing, which I then ended up quitting my job in the corporate world, going to the same school as you went, Institute of Holistic Nutrition, and then opened a clinic in Oakville and started my career as a nutritionist back when I was 38. So, and here I am today. Today I speak about food, but in a completely different way that most people don't talk about. I talk about going beyond the food. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes, I love it. So share with us, what does it actually mean to go beyond the food? So I'll continue my journey to explain that. So went to school and then learn about the power of food, the healing power of food, hormones and All of that aspect that I'd never heard before. So people to understand I have a degree in in health science and a degree in nursing as well. Nobody's ever talked to us about that. So I was fascinated. And that propelled me into kind of food obsession. Like everything can be resolved with food. And then it got me to a place where food was extremely important to me. Food quality was very, very important to me. And that triggered that part of my nervous system, kind of, you want to say, obsession, addiction, into being this food activist and pushing my view on everyone and being 100% clean at all the time. And that sent me into the world of binge eating. So I would binge on clean, organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised food. Like right. It wasn't McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Or candy, it was like paleo cake and coconut yogurt and all that stuff. Yep. So if you're listening to this and you say, is that possible? Yes, it is. Because it's not about the food. Right. Beyond the food. Right? It's what the food does to our soul, our spirit, our nervous system. It makes us feel better. And then when you don't feel good about yourself, then you seek more and more food or you don't feel good about a traumatic event in your life, about an emotion of depression, of sadness, you seek more of what makes you feel good. And to heal that, I had to go beyond the food. But I had to first get to a point where binging was really traumatic for me. I went and did the keto diet. I was so obsessed about it that I ended up writing a book about it. And I did it, and that tipped me over the edge because I gained a whole bunch of weight. My digestive system was in a complete mess. And all of that while I was a nutritionist. Right. Right. I was eating the good food, but I was overeating it and eating it with the wrong intention. So going beyond the food is about understanding your relationship to food and how food serves you beyond nutrition. That doesn't mean that nutrition does not have a place. Food is healing and food provides macro and nutrients and vitamins and minerals, but it also serves an emotional component. That's part of the job of food is the emotional component. The question is, how are you using it? Are you using it to numb, to avoid, to make you feel better or emphasize good emotion or do you just eat normally when you're hungry, you eat and you stop when full. So going beyond the food is about exploring that component and healing that part so you can make peace with food and your body. Because body image has a huge component in that. We can talk about that later, but for sure. play into that. I'm sure there's a lot of women thinking, but how do I know 
what it is I'm trying to heal. Like, how do we dive in to that? Because obviously there's, there's a deep dive to go in there, mm-hmm. psychological, emotional, you know, how do you find out what it is you're trying to heal with your food or control with your food? Yeah. So we've answered that question by creating a quiz. So awesome. Okay. So one of the link that's going to be somewhere around the show note, or yes. you can go to my website, stephaniedoze.com slash quiz is this assessment of your relationship to food. So that's how you can detect if you have a behavior around food that is maybe too much emotional or maybe too much avoidance or numbing. So for an example, I call it the food obsessed paradigm. So like I was, I would be eating at that time with paleo, grass-fed and organic. I was so obsessed with it out of norm that I would actually take my food with me to events. There was no possibility in my head of being imperfect and actually eating what was in front of me because that could literally cause significant downfall effect with me. Another example of that is nighttime eating. So that's very frequent for many women, right? Right. You wind down, you get home, you have dinner by 7.30 or 8, you crash in front of the TV, and all of a sudden you start obsessing about what's in the cupboard. And you have to fight with yourself to not go to the cupboard. Yep. And most nights you don't win. You end up going to the cupboard. So there is an emotion because it's not nourishment. You just had dinner. Right. Like what's going on? Why are you seeking that? Many times is has to do with stress management. Many times it has to do for loneliness. We don't feel comfortable being with ourselves. And food is legal. It's right there in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then when we eat it, there's a rush of dopamine that comes into your brain that makes you feel better, that makes you feel that your life is not as bad, you're not as lonely, until the next down happens. So these are just some example of behavior. Being on a diet is another one, right? I mean, diet has been demonstrated scientifically that they don't work. There's not one peer review study that judge of the efficacy of dieting on a long term. And long term, we only talk about 10 years here. This is not that long. It's not a lifetime, just 10 years. There's not one study that proves it, that it works. Fact is 90% of the people that lose weight, just like me, within one to five years, gain it back. Why? Mm -hmm. And you know, the crazy things is that the women listening right now, you're very smart. You're probably accomplished in everything that you do in life, just like I was, just like Sam is, yet you keep dieting like I was. And we keep doing the things that doesn't work. Why is that? Right? Probably because just like me, I didn't know that there was another solution. I had no idea that... I did not need it to lose weight to be happy because really what I was chasing was happiness and peace and joy. And I thought the only way to get there was with dieting. And I thought, well, you know, it doesn't work for me. I must be broken. Let me try something harder. Let me try something more complicated. (laughs) And the level amped it up all the time, right? And the last place I got was like keto, grass-fed, pasture-raised, organic, my realm of things I could eat was so limited Mm -hmm. and it still didn't work. Right. And then what? And that's when I decided to go beyond the food, right? Mm -hmm. That's when I I looked and thought, if it's not the food, what can it be? And we have a course in our school called the psychology of disease. I don't know if you remember that one. Right, right. In which we learn about the effect of emotion and how emotion actually engaged the tissues in our body, how it engage our nervous system, how it engage different facets of the human being. And I quickly realized that my emotion, burden that I was carrying, emotion from the past were engaging me in constantly craving food for different reasons, right? As you go beyond the food and you start exploring that, you realize that there's many things about life that you can't really cope with and you're using food to cope with it. So 
understanding that that moved me into this world of mindfulness, which is really what going beyond the food in my world healing mechanism is, is around mindfulness and really being present with your emotion and not fearing your emotion. Because the great majority of us are afraid of pain. Right. So we numb it out. Yet, if we let ourselves go through the pain, well, it's not that bad. We make it up to be much worse than it is in our head. So part of the program, part of the process is learning how emotion happens in the body, riding the wave, letting go, going through the cycle of emotion, and then realizing that by using that mindfulness and being present with our emotion, it drops tremendously the need for food. And then you can start engaging in a, I call it a nutritional relationship with food, which is really about nourishing your body, eating when hungry, stopping when full, so you can thrive physically. I've talked a lot. (laughs) No, it's great. I love it. I feel like a lot of what you're saying also comes down to self-care and self-respect. Yeah. So yes, and I'm going to go a step further if you don't mind, Sam. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Self-respect and self-care is kind of an outcome. Right. But to engage in self-respect and to engage in self-care, we must first have a relationship of love, appreciation towards ourselves right? Same thing as if you look externally, can you respect and take care of somebody you hate? No, right? People you don't like in your life, you just don't give a damn about and you let them carry on with their life and you carry on with yours, right? Right. So the question for the ladies struggling with self-respect and self-care is, what is your relationship with yourself? Is it a relationship that based out of love or is it a relationship based out of hate, shame, or fear? And that brings us to the loop of body image. So I want to take care of myself. I want to respect myself. I know, for example, when I eat too much sugar, I feel depressed at night. I don't sleep well. I know all of this. I even maybe work with Sam, and Sam told me that's the problem. Yet I keep doing it. Right. Why? It's because I don't respect myself. Why do I not respect myself? Let's dive a little bit deeper and understand, well, can I even engage with myself? I don't have a stat on that, but I can tell you that in my world, probably 80% of the women cannot look at themselves in the mirror, right? I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but they, they can't. Right. So every time they're in front of the mirror, they avoid their reflection. They avoid putting on clothes that makes them look good because they don't want to be looked at because they cannot engage with their body because they hate their body, right? They're part of this whole conundrum that is called diet culture in which thinness is the path to happiness, right? And I don't know about you, but for me, I was taught to diet prior to the age of 10. My mom was doing the cabbage soup diet. It's a memory. I was probably eight or nine years old and she was talking about her cabbage soup diet. Right. And she was talking about her thick hips and her fat legs and how she couldn't wear a bikini because her belly from the kids she had was too big. And she wasn't telling me about my body, but that's what I heard constantly around me. Right. And then you go to family meeting. What do people talk about in the 90s? Dieting, right? Yeah. Going to the gym and dieting and losing weight. And then there was those contests in my family of my aunts of doing contests who could lose them more. So I was brought up into this world of we're never happy with our body. We're never thin enough because what we look at in the TV, magazine, is clearly not what I look like, therefore I'm not good enough. So then the solution to that is dieting. And for people who know anything about the mind of the human being, we have a part of our brain that's called conscious mind, Mm -hmm. 
And we have a brain that's called the subconscious mind, which is really more than 90% of all your decision you make in a day is made out of your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is subconscious, meaning you have no consciousness of what's going on. Like you don't have to decide to make your heart beat. You don't have to decide to breathe. Your opinion and your mindset is created automatically, right? Subconscious mind. So when you are repeated the same message for a long period of time or a message at a very young age, it imprints in your subconscious mind. So for me, it was encoded like a cold bar. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> right. Which most women is, right? Absolutely. I don't know about you, but when you do consultation with women, how many women tell you, oh, I'm happy with my weight? That's not why I see you. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> not many. <laughs> most of them is because there's a factor of unhappiness with their body. But there's a statistic, I just remember that from the World Health Organization, that 90% of women in first world country are unhappy with their body and they seek dieting as a solution. It's crazy. So you, you seek that and then you go through life hating your body, dieting to fix your body. Then you may lose weight and then you get a whole bunch of reward from society. Oh my God, you lost weight. You look so good. How did you do it? Right? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, those jeans look so good on you since you lost 20 pounds. Then you go to the high of that. And then you haven't fixed the problem as to why you go to food. Right. So you keep the rule, you keep the rule, you keep the rule. And then all of a sudden that thing called willpower collapse. Willpower is against neuroscience has told us recently it's a limited resource. Now, the limit is different per person, but at some point it's bound to break. Right. And then you start feeling ashamed. You start feeling guilty. You don't get the reward from the environment. You're no longer accepted. And then the spinning dial starts over again. So how much of the current struggle with food is due to body image? That's the question, right? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves because let's imagine that we didn't have a problem with our body image. No matter what weight we're at, we would accept ourselves, we would have a good relationship of what you said, self-care and self-respect in a heavier body. How much suffering, pain, stress would we avoid and then avoid the emotional eating to make that feel better? That's going beyond the food. And I saw that you posted on Instagram, your body is not wrong, society is wrong. Yes. I saw that. Because the truth is, there's a, I don't want to say a stat, but there's a fact that about 2% of what society pushed forward as what your body should look like is only 2% of the world. What about the rest of us that don't look like that, that never going to look like that, that don't want to look like that? Are we broken? Are we wrong? Right. But society wants us to feel like that. When I say society, I talk about the corporate aspect and the financial aspect and the political aspect of society that fuels the dive culture weight loss industry that's $66 billion a year. It's crazy. So if that was to drop, the entire industry of weight loss would drop. So there is vested interest in making you and I feel like crap about our body because when we feel like crap, we buy the weight loss industry product. So right. that's where I think society is going wrong. And the scary thing is it's not going to stop unless we choose to make it stop individually and collectively to get a message out there. And it's starting. Like There's movement called body positivity which some of the listener may have heard that is starting to, to push the expectation of society against what our body should look like. But for all of us living in, in this world today, in our generation, it's not something that I believe will be changed in the next 10 years. Right. We have to do the work internally in ourselves to get there and not wait for society standard to change. Mm-hmm. And this is why we coach, you know, and I get it. When I coach women, it's not just, you know, here's a meal plan and go. It's let's dive into 
these deeper issues. Let's talk about the emotions. What's showing up for you? Because we know there's deeper work that needs to be healed, emotions that need to be healed. And it's going through that pain and giving your clients the space to recognize the pain and, and understand it. That's what brings you to discovery, discovering yeah. yourself. And so many of us want to avoid that discovery process. Or we realize, or some, not even realize, but we don't even know what's possible, right? And part of it is, I'm not going to get too much into that, the political aspect of it, but self-discovery is a threatening aspect to our current society model. Because when yes. you know who you are, yes. you no longer try to fit the mold in many aspects of your life. It may start with weight today, but in two years from now, it may be a different financial structure to your family that don't fit the mold. And then you'll become, I don't know, location independent. You don't fit the mold. It starts spreading because you no longer seek external recognition because you have it within you. Right. I love so scary, that. The society. So it's a much deeper issue than what we started on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all good. So you spoke about body positivity, and I know that there's also a term that you use, body neutrality. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on this a bit? Absolutely. So body positivity is a movement that's about eight years old. And it's about accepting all body of all form. And it's now extending to color of skins and handicap as well. And it's about bringing that body forward to change the standard of society. So there's a lot of shock and awe around that which is necessary to move the political boundary of weight and body image. The thing is, for many of us who have had a body image issue, that it is a 10-pound one or 100-pound one, most of our life, it has left imprint in us, in our subconscious mind, and our nervous system of how we engage with our body. And to move from a place of shame and hate that has been there for 10, 20, 30 plus years to a place of body positivity in which I'm going to put my body forward and be proud of it. It's such a huge gap. For me, it made it impossible. And I felt again, like a failure because I was trying to go from one extreme to the complete other extreme. So body neutrality for me is that safe space between shame and positivity, it may be the path to body positivity, or it can be that space where you're going to remain all of your life. So body neutrality is self-acceptance plus self-compassion about your body. Understanding who you are, having a relationship with who you are from a place of accepting what is, accepting your body for what it is, you may have thoughts of wanting to change it, but for now, it is what it is, and you have to engage with that. And then from a place of compassion, from a place of kindness, from a place of gratefulness, like a quick example of body neutrality and for women who've had children, right? Many women will want to lose weight in their belly area. Right. Right. But when you step back for a minute and say, how did that happen? How did the weight got on there, right? Many of it is in part due to the pregnancy part of creating life, birthing a child, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, we hate that part of our body. And I want this to sink in a bit for the ladies that have had children, like, you detach yourself from like so much shame and hate towards your body and you start stepping back and like, wow, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And I've had women who've done the work of body neutrality and part of the exercise that we get them to do is to be in front of a mirror. And they've had their daughter or their son around them and the part of the body of the mom that the child loves the most is their breast and their belly. I know. Yet that poor mother spends hours and hours and hours hating her belly. Mm -hmm. So body neutrality is finding that gratefulness for those part of your body instead of hate is gratefulness. And that moves you to a place of self-compassion. And 
there, you can stay forever. You can still, if you want, pursue weight loss, but you want to pursue weight loss from a place of love, right? not a place of hate. So you have to do the work prior to chasing weight loss to shift you from hate to compassion. And then from that platform, you can then make a choice of pursuing it or not, because there's an option of not to, if you choose to. Right. So I know that you have a four-step process that you talk about to overcome emotional eating and food cravings and binges. And I would love to dive into this four-step process. Absolutely. So I want you guys to think of these food herges, right? So this space of I desire to eat. And I want us to first, the first step is to set it up between two categories. Am I physically hungry or am I emotionally hungry? First step between the two. So let's talk about the difference between the two. So physical hunger will come on gradually. So you may be at your computer at 10 a.m. Oh, I'm hungry. And then you carry on working, like poop, the mind goes away. And then at 11, oh, oh, I'm hungrier. What's for lunch? Okay, and you continue working, right? And then by the time noon hits, you're ready to eat, right? You're not starving. You're just ready to eat and you'll eat whatever's in front of you. You don't have an obsession about one thing. You don't have obsessive thoughts about it. You just want to eat. And when you eat, you can eat casually, talking to people. You start eating when you're hungry. You stop when full. You leave food on the plate. That's okay. Like it's not obsessive and doesn't have to be consumed right away. That's physical hunger. Emotional hunger is the opposite of everything of that. Comes on quickly. And then when it's in your head, there is no way out. Like, All you're thinking about is the chocolate and the drawer and the cupboard and the chips that were left from last night. And then you try to avoid it and you just keep plunking at your computer and you're like, oh my God, is it ever going to stop? And then when you do get to the food, you crave a specific food or a specific ensemble of food. And when you start eating, you just eat and you like literally inject the food into your mouth, barely chew it and put it down, right? You consume very fast and then there's guilt at the end. There's maybe guilt before or guilt during, but there's guilt at the end for sure. That's emotional eating. So start recognizing for the ladies or the men's listening, which one of the two it is. So that's step number one. And then I am giving you permission today, right now, if it is physical hunger, to go eat. Mm-hmm. No more restriction of time eating, of fasting, of all that. This is all detrimental if you're struggling with your relationship to food. If you're physically hungry, you have to, what Sam said, respect your body. Your body is talking to you. It's sending you hunger signal. Go eat. Now, for the rest of the people that are in the category of emotional eating, then you need to step away from food. Because when that urge comes on, it's literally at the pathological level, your nervous system vibrating. Like it needs relief because it's on overdrive of some kind. You need to step away from food because it's very hard to control the urge when you're surrounded by the food you crave. So if you're at the cubicle, stand up, go to the bathroom, close the door. If you're at home among the kids, go to your bedroom and close the door, take a five-minute timeout. And then step number three is engage with what I call the Crave Cure Formula. Very simply, you're going to close your eyes and you're going to start breathing in and out by your nose. No more than complicated than that. Don't look for anything more complicated than that. Just start breathing in and out by the nose. You may notice that while you're craving, you're literally breathing faster because your nervous system is engaged. And then with maybe 5, 10, 15 breaths, your nervous system is going to disengage. It's literally going to shift. And then you're going to be more into the calm space. It may take five breaths. It may take 20. 
just wait till you start relaxing the shoulder and you're more into yourself and disengage the nervous system and then start scanning your body inside in your head up and down and try to understand which emotion is inside of you frustration anger jealousy whatever the thing is and then once you're in that place and you understand what's behind it bring some compassion around it right if it's your boss sending you an email and you're upset about it, try to understand where he's coming from. Now, that can be done when you're on high of the nervous system. It's never going to happen. So you've got to really be in that calm space. And then what happened when you finish that exercise of breathing, which may take two minutes to 10 minutes, you will come out of this and 80% of the time the craving is gone because awesome. you've, you've given to your nervous system what it needed. It needed soothing. So what you did is you effectively replaced what food was giving you, which was suiting, in the space of the breath, right? So for those that may be familiar with meditating or exercise of breath, it's an exercise of mindfulness. And it. that makes the craving go away. I love that. Thank you. And it's so simple, but... Also, it comes with its challenges, right? Because I can only imagine the voices that are going to go on in your head. So it definitely comes with its challenges, but that's beautiful. Awesome. So let's talk about the all or nothing trap mm -hmm. and how we can avoid this. So that's perfectionism, right? So it's the black and white thinking. It's the I'm on the diet, I'm off the diet. I'm on the wagon, which we hear a lot. And we see that even in social media a lot, right? I fell off the wagon, right? Yeah. There's no such thing as perfection. There's no such thing as all or nothing, because it's not true. We always do something and we never can do it all. It's the attempt of do it all that creates the chaos in our life. The attempt of perfection creates that chaos in our life because perfection doesn't exist because there's always going to be a higher level. So you have to ask yourself, if that's you, what are you really chasing? What are you after? For many women, it's around being accepted. It's around proving their worth. And that, again, is going to bring me back to the dang body image. Mm -hmm. But it's link, right? There is a link. There's no stats on that. There's other stats that I'll tell you in just a minute. There's no stat that says you have a poor body image and you're all or nothing. But the truth is they go hand in hand because when you don't think you're worthy, you will seek ways to feel worthy because human being is programmed to feel worthy. So right. if I feel unworthy in my body, I'm going to seek it somewhere else. And then we chase that worth and it's, we're never getting it. The truth is we never feel worthy because of the perfection in our diet or because of how good we are at work. So we're constantly saying, oh my God, I'm not worthy. I have to try harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And then it becomes all or nothing because it's not sustainable. Now, I said I was going to mention a stat. There is statistic around diagnosed conditions that are call or generated around the eating disorder world. Now, what you have to understand is eating disorder is only a small, small, small percentage of the population that's ever diagnosed, right? right? When we talk about bulimia, when we talk about binge eating, which is rapidly becoming the most diagnosed eating disorder, most women don't get diagnosed, but they live with binge eating behavior or emotional eating that drives to compulsive eating. When we look at studies, 98% of women that are diagnosed with eating disorder have low self-worth as a common trait among them. Nearly all of them have that. So in their eating behavior, they're seeking the self-worth. And then it becomes a overly like on the spectrum of eating disorder, like at the other end, that's why they're diagnosed. But many people are like, middle to low end, and that's who we're talking to today that are struggling with it, but it's not completely debilitating their entire life. But 
you still have somewhere a struggle with low self-esteem. And I bet you if I was to strike a conversation alone with you, you would tell me yes, because that's what happened all the time. Yep. So that's the all or nothing trap. What we're really seeking is our self-worth. And so going back to Instagram, because I saw you write this other post, you wrote, smart women don't diet. They do this instead. And what is it? You you studied my Instagram account. Yeah, I creep you. (laughs) So let's talk about Einstein for a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm a big stats and quote person. Love it. Einstein is someone that said this quote, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right. So if I bring you back to the beginning of this episode and I ask, what did we describe as diet and its effect of it is exactly that, right? We know it don't work. That's why we keep buying the stuff and we keep booking it. So clearly we are not smart when it comes to our weight perspective, our body image perspective, whatever the thing is called for you, we're not smart. We're smart everywhere else. I have women CEO working with me one-on-one. Multi-million dollar business. For sure. They'll never join a group because they don't want people to know they're like that, right? Right. They're super smart, high IQ, but when it comes to food, it's like we lose all senses. And I believe that part of that is because, again, this whole self-worth body image thing is so deeply ingrained. Yep. And we're not aware of the whole conscious subconscious, so we're always victimized where when we look at work, it's the prefrontal cortex, right? It's this using the conscious mind that makes us successful. But when it comes to our personal life, we fall into this trap of subconscious behavior. So smart women don't diet. When you take the smart you have at work and you apply it to dieting, you clearly see that stupid move, right? <laughs> like if you were to take your work brain and like have an out-of-body experience and look at your behavior around food, what would you say? Right. Makes no sense, girl. Like, come on, wake up, right? <laughs> so what do they do instead? They seek to understand what drives the behavior, right? So in our world, we may call that functional medicine. So what's the difference between conventional medicine and functional medicine? It's in functional medicine, we look at what drives the behavior and conventional medicine, just look at putting a bandaid on the behavior, right? So smart women will look at what drives the behavior and then apply method that actually heal that. And then the outcome will be a normalized relationship with food. That's so great. Yeah. I love that. You've shared so many great insights and so much incredible knowledge with us today. I really thank you for your work, Steph, because it's such powerful work and it's challenging work and so many women really, really need it. So I acknowledge you for that. Thank you. I want to say it's a topic that people avoid talking about or don't want to talk about. So what I do is that's why I don't talk about food anymore or very minimally. When I talk about food, it's more about showing people what intuitive eating is. But because there's so many of other people that do great work with food, but nobody talks about what I wish somebody told me between the age of nine and 37 that nobody ever told me about. Would my life be different? I don't have no regrets, but how different would it be? if somebody would have given me this message at 17. Right. Now, at the same time, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because I would have been different at 17 because I would have stopped using partying and drugs and all the stuff that I did when I was younger. But I want to get that message out to women as much as I can earlier. So my goal is to drive a certain revenue level in my business today so I can start a charity for young girls. Love it. To get the body image and acceptance and diet culture out to them so they can make educated choices to what they can do. But in the meantime, provide the relief to women like me and that message behind it. That's really beautiful. Thank you. I love it. And so where can our audience find you? Where are you hanging out these days? 
Obviously on Instagram. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I'm very, I'm not Instagram worthy in which you won't find like beautifully curated picture. I use my Instagram about wisdom and sharing quotes and tidbits of information. Love it. Facebook and then inside of my group program. So the first place if people want to come to me is do your quiz, right? Yep. Start there and then assess yourself. You're going to get a score and what it means. And then the next step for you to go into, if you find yourself, you know your struggle, confirmed by the quiz, and you want to start working on this, it's the Claim Your Food Freedom program. That is the place for you to start. It's a low price program. It's a four-week short, easy, palatable videos. It's a lifetime access. And then we can help you start understanding those basic principles and then implementing mindfulness approach to let go of the food and then create a relationship with yourself. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to put all of the links to that in our show notes. And you also have your food freedom challenge that's coming up too, right? Yes, December 11th. So we're going to start taking registration. So I want to give the ladies an option and a challenge for 2019. So who out there right now is planning on going back on the wagon on January 1st? Right? <laughs> right. Yep. Nearly everybody, right? Some kind of program, Whole30 or something to get back on the wagon. I want to challenge you this year to start understanding the why behind food on January 1st. So I'm giving an option. Instead of the diet on January 1st, come and join us. We're going to do a 30-day challenge like all the other program, but we're going to be focused on the body image, the relationship to food and all that stuff and then see where you can go from there. I love it. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put the link to that in the show notes as well. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Steph. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Take care. Well, that was an awesome interview with Steph Dodier. I hope you guys enjoyed it and was able to take away lots of the juicy information and strategies that she shared with us today. You can definitely hang out with Steph over on Instagram at Steph Dodier. You can find her on Facebook, Steph Dodier Nutrition. And head on over to her website, stephaniedodier.com. And I will share all of the links to access her and her Instagram handles over on the show notes at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 39. So that's three nine. And if you're interested in joining Steph's Food Freedom Challenge, it does begin next week. We will put the links for that in the show notes. And if you're interested in taking her quiz or learning more about her Claim Your Food Freedom program, all of the information is over on the show notes. So head on over there, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 39. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. Looking forward to chatting with you guys next week.